Hey everybody, Ray Lucchese here. Jason Collier here. Welcome to another sponsored episode of the Greybeards on Storage podcast, a show where we get Greybeards bloggers together with storage assistant vendors to discuss upcoming products, technologies, and trends affecting the data center today. This Greybeards on Storage episode is again Brought to you today by Racktop Systems, and now it's my great pleasure to introduce once again Jonathan Halstuck, co-founder and CTO of Racktop Systems. So, Jonathan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's wrong with ransomware protection today? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm Jonathan Halstuck. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Racktop Systems, and I've been involved in data security and offensive cyber for uh, nearly two decades now. And I think that the approach to ransomware has been very much one of recovery and talking about cleaning up the mess after the event has happened. But with cyber, we really want to get ahead of the event and we want to think about how do we thwart the attackers? It's a very different problem than when you think about natural disasters and floods or catastrophe hitting your IT system and having to have a backup or disaster recovery plan. That There's yeah, no way to stop yeah. the hurricane. Right, right, right. So, I mean, the the big challenge, I mean, uh, you know, obviously backups and stuff like that are all good things to have and stuff like that. But from a ransomware protection perspective, that might work for most cases, but uh, there's more to ransomware than just protecting, I guess, right? Yeah. So what we're starting to see is that it's really becoming extortionware where the adversary or these criminal organizations are stealing data first. And sometimes they're not even proceeding with a ransomware attack. Usually they proceed with a ransomware attack to make it more painful uh, to recover as well as prove, hey, we had access to your system. And so, yes, we stole the data. And let me show you how I have control of your system by encrypting the files there. Um, but now we're starting to see some, you know, even in the news today, lots of uh, like with, uh, you know, Western digital organizations like that where uh, attackers are claiming they have sensitive proprietary information that they're going to leak and they're extorting both the victim they stole the data from as well as sometimes if there's sensitive customer information, they'll go into the customer and try to extort uh, that customer as well. I was going to say, I've, I've seen as well on this um, and I'm curious to, to see what you've seen uh, uh, within the industry as well, where these uh, ransomware attackers are getting more and more sophisticated, as in they will infiltrate a system and not necessarily, it's not going to be two weeks that they pull the trigger on that ransomware. It might be, you know, they, they'll go for, say, an average of a, a year retention policy on backups, and then they might invoke that ransomware kind of, kind of you know, after a year where all of your backups are already infected as well. Is that something that you've seen uh, uh, in the industry as well? Yeah, so what what we see is on average, right, a data breach is on the network for 277 days before being detected. And 277. They, that's right. And and dropping that down to just 200 on average can save you a million dollars. So it's it's that's a long time they're on the network. So what are they doing during that time? Well, they're trying to create persistence, right? Some of these organizations are selling access to your network, right? And so they want to create multiple backdoors, multiple ways they can get into that environment. So once they are discovered, once they launch this first ransomware attack, they can actually um, collect the money and then potentially re, you know, go after you again. Because the probability of once you've been hit once with ransomware, the probability you're going to be hit a second or third time goes up. So they're definitely spending that time looking about looking around the network to find the valuable information they want to target or steal or encrypt and creating 
persistence for the next time they want to get there because they could even sell that access to another gang or or entity that's interested in in that uh, target network. So so backups really aren't a solution to any of this stuff. <laughs> no, they're really your kind of last resort. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what 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 does a customer try to what what does the customer have? What can they do to So Right. So before an attack, it'll, no matter what you're doing, it starts with good cyber hygiene, right? So you want to reduce the, your risk. You want to minimize what could be compromised in the case of an attack, right? And so with, with our product, what we do is we have integrated compliance reports that show you the access control list for all the data sets. So you can look by user and see or group, you know, reconnect to Active Directory and LDAP. What, what data sets do these users and groups have access to? as well as look at data sets and see what users and groups have access to that data set. And so the data owners or project managers or management can see who is who has permissions and access to that data set. And then they can also, through user behavior, look to see who's actually been accessing the data. Because you could have very sensitive data sets out there that are widely exposed but not being used. And if someone's credential gets compromised that has access to that data set or all the data sets, that's a bad day for the organization. So you want to really restrict that and limit it to lowest privileged access. So that's kind of what you can do before an attack, right? And, and help prevent that. And then the other thing you can do is make sure you're not using admin credentials when you don't need to or exposing those because the adversaries typically will try to get into the environment and then they'll escalate privilege to an admin credential so they can create persistence and go find the widest amount of information and steal the most amount of information and then encrypt the most amount of information by using a privileged account. So detecting that admin activity is an effective way of detecting those breaches earlier, closer to the, as soon as they get on the network versus 277 days, right? And so that's that's another key part. And so then during the attack, you want something that's going to be able to actively detect that and stop it. And that's really the difference in what Racktop offers with our proactive defense or what we call active defense. We're analyzing how users and applications are interacting with the primary copies of data, right? The, the bad guys eventually are going to try to potentially delete, you know, snapshots or backups, but they're after that primary copy of data. And that's the one that has been often unprotected. We need to protect that with data security and data protection. And when I talk about data security, it's providing controls to make sure only authorized users get access to it. And it's the, really the person that says they're them and being able to analyze what they're doing. And then if we detect suspicious or malicious behavior, in this case, ransomware, if somebody all of a sudden starts an account, starts reading a bunch of files and encrypting them, well, that looks like ransomware. We want to stop that as close to, uh, you know, as soon as it starts happening. Now, does data encryption help in any of this stuff? Or is that something you guys do in addition to everything else? Or Yeah, so data encryption doesn't real necessarily help. You know, lots of people talk about at-rest data encryption, and there's value to that. But in stopping a ransomware attack, it's probably not going to help you there. Having encryption, you know, over the protocols can help because it, it potentially prevents that adversary from getting the foothold in the network to exploit, you know, vulnerabilities or to steal credentials to be able to get onto the network to then start to steal data or launch a ransomware attack. But data at rest, you know, using self-encrypting drives is valuable for other things, but to stop a ransomware attack, it's not likely, right? Usually they have an account, they, they get hold of an account that has privilege and that account would be able to, yeah, decrypt the data or do whatever they need to do, exactly. Uh, a friend of mine, he actually had a, a company that was doing this kind of on, on more on, an, on a networking side, but 
uh, he had some statistics on when you look at basically nation state attackers and how quickly they get from, you know, could be end user clicked on a spam to, to the point they get like a second level penetration into something that actually has that privileged data access. And it's actually terrifying. How <laughs> how quickly they can get it get in and and start basically doing exactly what you said and it's like a like a virus that spreads throughout the organization right exactly yeah so you have to be able to act quickly and that's why people are looking for automated tools right we can't you can't look on Monday to see what happened you know last week or over the weekend you need automated tools that are going to um, detect and respond and that's why you see you know AI. Uh, and AI operations and other things and in security to help aid, you know, the humans that are, that are supporting the infrastructure. But it's a, it's an arms race, right? Cause the, the same ransomware guys are also trying to use AI to, you know, facilitate uh, ransomware or, you know, spamming or, or spiffing. I don't even know what it's called. Right. But ways of, of trying to get people to click on things and stuff like that. So it's uh sort of an arms race in that respect. You guys use AI in, in your detection capabilities? We do. So we train the models and we have assessors and they're using AI to detect unusual behavior and access over the protocols. Both we support SMB and NFS up to the latest versions and then what's happening with the files on the file system itself. So are you looking at um, basically kind of the an existing environment at a customer site, and then and then creating a uh, basically a, a training set uh, upon that, and then using that to, uh, I, I guess you know like basically train a neural net to to go through and do inference on on any modifications. So that can be done for some of the long term behavior, but some of the immediate stuff like stopping a ransomware attack doesn't really require training at the customer site. We know how ransomware behaves, which is it's, you know, reading the file and overwriting it and doing a bunch of other things. So we're looking for those behavior patterns of that malicious software. And so we're doing that and creating that in, in our so they got the, the rapid response inference engine that can that can that can look at that uh, and detect right. the patterns. Right. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. So it's almost like ransom. It's almost like virusware to some extent. I mean, you're looking at patterns that you've detected or seen in the past and, 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 and using those to uh, to train your more general uh, assessor uh, capabilities. Is that is that how it works? That's accurate, right? So for things we know have a specific tactic and technique, we can build confidence that that is that, you know, variant of a ransomware attack or something because we we're looking for multiple factors. So we're looking at a variety of things and we can build up confidence much more quickly if we know a bunch of things in general for like a zero day type of ransomware we're using the same general patterns we know you know you can't encrypt something without reading it and you know deleting the original one or overwriting it so we're looking for those things it just takes a little bit longer for us to build up that confidence that yes this is a ransomware attack not just some user encrypting a file to send and so we use multiple points of data to create that confidence and that's where the value also comes in the fact that the data sits on our file system um, because we have more visibility into what's happening than if we were just kind of a bump in the wire or a proxy. You brought up, um, you brought up like just like say a user encrypting a file. Um, have you, uh, you, is there any really weird kind of false positive things that you've ever seen with this or something that triggered it that was, that was actually a user behavior? So we've gotten a lot better. You know, when we did the initial testing, we had kind of, when we just were eating our own dog food, trying to do, you know, see what would happen and see what would cause a, tr a false alert or trigger, we realized that we made some assumptions and this was before we kind of deployed it. And so we've been to the point now where we've been able to eliminate 
those false positives for the most part. Every once in a while, you might run across an application that, you know, not just a user doing stuff, but there's certain, you might find someone's custom application that they wrote does some odd things that almost look like ransomware, um, but that's pretty far and few between. Yeah, so you guys have pretty much have the capability of, you know, handling those false positives yep. and, and, and allowing the operator or admin to tell it's okay and stuff like that, right? Exactly. So once you see that, it can create an incident. You can whitelist it. You can choose the rules you want to happen to. You can say, hey, I still want to be alerted when this happens, but I don't want to block it. Uh, and so it has a lot of flexibility in how you can figure that. But it really is good about giving you visibility too with the user behavior auditing to see, hey, who's accessing this data? How often? Where are they accessing it from? And then, you know, what the pattern of life looks like for the data. And, and are they, we've, we definitely right away when we deploy the system, start to improve cyber hygiene. Cause there'll be times where they're like, Oh yeah, I forgot, you know, we're using admin accounts to do that, but we really shouldn't be. So we'll go and clean that up or other cases. Maybe there's a reason they have to use admin accounts. They can whitelist that in the rules and allow that to happen. Well, that's but one of those yeah, things too. Yeah. That's too, from a false positive perspective, it's definitely better to be safe than sorry when you're talking about ransomware and potentially having your data hijacked. Right. Yep. <sighs> For sure. There's no way you can't get the genie back in the bottle. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you guys are, are I, you know, it's, it seemed like you've always been associated with uh, fairly um, security sensitive environments and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, these sorts of the, the technologies that you're talking about have been kind of proven in, in uh, real world, uh, highly secure environments. Is that true, Jonathan? Yep. Yep. We have a wide customer set from like the DOD all the way to, you know, state and local governments and, you know, the in the private sector, hospitals, healthcare organizations, people that have been the target of, of ransomware. But, you know, we are able to provide this security and compliance capabilities without sacrificing performance. So we're able to deliver, you know, at scale and at performance, the, the file share and NAS capabilities, but we embed the proactive security. And if you think about it, a lot of times when people are looking at a storage solution, they, they talk about high availability, right? That, that comes up typically at some point in the conversation. Right. They choose to employ AJ, right? Well, if you think about it, you know, people want these five nines, three nines, something like that, right? But that's for just typical operations. If you think about something like a ransomware attack where, you know, the data is going to be encrypted and not available, you can really go below no nines <laughs> in that type of situation if you don't have a way to stop and recover very quickly and return to service. And that's what we're providing as, and from a storage perspective, because a lot of storage folks think about HA, I think maybe they haven't thought about security as long, but really when you think about availability for the data, the confidentiality, the integrity of it, you really need to think about it this way. And with our solution, we're able to stop it early, right? You don't want to have to cover, recover from a big mess. You want to cover, make it as small as possible, make the damages as uh, minimal as possible. And then, yeah, and see which, what was affected, and then quickly recover from the from the versions of those files that are contained in the local immutable snapshots. That's a lot faster than having to even go to a backup that could be stored in the cloud or someplace else, figure out what file it is and make sure it's clean and bring it up. I mean, if you look at kind of the way some of the organizations are thinking about recovering data and using clean rooms, that could be a multi-week process even to recover a small amount of information. We're trying to get you return to service in, in minutes and and really keep and protect that, you know, four or five nines of availability that you're looking for. And so in your case, I mean, so 
customers would still deploy backups and that sort of stuff uh, potentially for your solution, uh, as well as having this uh, real-time uh, ransomware detection kind of capabilities, right? Yeah. So, you know, we partner with the backup companies in, in areas, especially since they, they need to, there's data that doesn't exist on us. So we frequently have um, customers use the leading backup solutions to backup data from their, you know, desktops or physical servers or virtual machines in, in cases and use us as a backup target. And we're a safe place to, to land that data. Um, sometimes there's organizations that have that three, two, one theory where they'll use us for the primary. They'll also have us do snapshot replication to a second brick store. And then they're sometimes backing up with a third tool, um, the file shares and, and either, you know, vaulting that data or putting it on tape or doing whatever makes sense uh, to them. But we support all those use cases. And, and if you look across our customer base, there's definitely uh, people that do, do work, you know, leverage backup solutions in combination with Brickstore. So what is your typical deployment model? Are, do you guys typically deploy as like a hardware-based appliance, a software-based appliance? How, how do you, you typically deploy? So that's definitely changed over the past couple of years. So in the, in the beginning, we deployed as a traditional turnkey NAS with direct attached disk. Um, and then in 2020, we started to deploy a software only where you can deploy our software as a virtual machine on your favorite hypervisor, HCI, or in the hyperscalers in the cloud. Um, and it's the same software, so it's completely interoperable. You can have a virtual instance replicate to a physical instance, bare metal, vice versa. And then we also have a partnership with HPE where we sell our software through HPE Complete. And in those cases, you know, we're fronting um, HPE Enterprise Storage with a DL360 or 380 running our software on it. And so you can present LUNs from that HPE Enterprise Storage to us, and we can present cyber storage from those LUNs. And now we've taken that even further where we work with you know, all the popular enterprise storage providers, Pure, um, anybody really, to provide cyber storage on existing block capacity. So they can take disparate um, SANs or, or one SAN and basically present cyber storage uh, with our software and, and get that protection. And that, that's probably been the biggest growth area of me. I hadn't heard that, that you guys uh, support uh, you know, other storage solutions, uh, providing block storage, and you, you're providing a front end as a file service, uh, NAS, ransomware detection, cyber secure in, environment. How long has that been going on? So we, I think it was, it's been about 18 months, and, that, and it's definitely been accelerating the adoption of that. Yeah, I would think so. Because a lot of customers already have block capacity or they love their sand vendor. This gives them a way to continue to leverage that capacity and then grow it as needed and then get the cyber storage capabilities on top of that. And, and I think you mentioned earlier that's then that's presented as, as effectively a file file based system. So that are you doing NFS, what versions and then also SMB? Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So we do NFS V3, 4, 4, 1 and 4, 2. And then we support SMB. We even support SMB one SIFs, but we alert you that you're using that so you can be sure you're kind of scrutinizing what's going on. And then we have SMB two dot one and SMB three dot one dot one. And so we support you know signing in encryption for both uh, NFS and SMB as well. Got it. Do you also have any any type of tie in into into basically authentication services like ADFS and stuff like that? Yeah, so we, we work with Active Directory and LDAP, and those are that's pretty common. Um, and we can also work with like the Azure uh, Active Directory implementation as well. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. So effectively, the problem with backups today is that it's after the fact. I mean, by the time that your backup is detecting 
ransomware it's it's occurred it's they've they've stolen your data they could expose it they can hold it at ransom there's lots of things they can do at that point that's already too late to to put the genie back in the bottle is that what you're telling us exactly it's like if you had a car would you rather have collision avoidance or collision detection i'd rather avoid the accident versus <laughs> have the car tell me i've been in an accident <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, that's that's interesting that's interesting and uh, so I, you mentioned the cloud. So the cloud solution is effectively a software-defined storage based on whatever the cloud block storage is. Is that how this works? Exactly. So we would take some of the, like an AWS Elastic block storage and attach that to a virtual machine running in AWS. And you could also do the same thing in Azure. You could have cross-replication. We actually have customers that have an on-prem instance, and then they replicate to both Azure and AWS for cross-cloud uh, uh, replication. And then with our TDM capability, you can actually tier data to an S3 compatible object store. So in the case of AWS, you could tier the data to an object store as part of the TDM capability as well. If you have, so you detect like something is going wrong, something is going awry with a piece of, of uh, uh, you know, block, uh, you know, with a piece, piece of block data, a file or something that you think like there's something nefarious going on here. What, what walk me through kind of that process of, of what your system does and how it kind of alerts the, the administrators and users on what's going on. Sure. Yeah. So let's take, for instance, ransomware, because that's been the major topic. So if all of a sudden we start to believe that files are being encrypted uh, with ransomware, we're going to know where that file access came from. So we're going to basically create an incident within our system. It's going to block that user account from accessing further data. It's going to block the client IP from accessing further data. And it's going to put a hold on what we call rolling snapshots. So we have like a DVR of immutable snapshots for the last five minutes where around the time of an incident, we put holds on those snapshots that so that we can recover, restore any files from immutable snapshots that might have been affected. And so then we can also send alerts through webhooks. So we can send a Teams chat or Slack or PagerDuty message to the admins, both the storage admins as well as the security admins, depending on how the organization's set up. Or we can fire off an email. They can go and you know, see those that information in their SOC tool if they want, or they can go to the um, Brickstore uh, GUI interface and they can see the incident. They'll see what account was uh, basically implicated, the IP, they'll see the actions we've taken. And then they can also see the files that were affected. So if it was indeed a ransomware attack, they would see the files that we were see affected, like the encrypted version of the file, as well as the version of file that's in the snapshot that we believe they should recover from. So we create a recovery plan for them so they can re run that recovery plan. So even if they use, um, so even if they the attacker was able to encrypt five or 10 files before we stopped them, this would actually allow you to very quickly restore all of the files out of the snapshot and remove the encrypted files in just a couple clicks. And then when you've, you're satisfied that the user has been trained appropriately and the machine has been cleaned up, you could then grant access back to that user account and uh, machine to access further data. So you can really return to service in, in a matter of minutes. And it's very easy to go through the workflow that the incident management pane puts you through for the admin. It doesn't require, you know, advanced cyber knowledge. Uh, that's great, man. I mean, almost automating the, the whole recovery process as well as the automating the detection and, and, uh, ceasing and assisting the operations so that's great that's great all right well this has been great so jason anything uh, any last questions for jonathan before we leave 
No, it just, uh, you know, hey, wish you best of luck. Uh, it's, this sounds like a very, very cool product, very cool company. Um, uh, and uh, this is definitely uh, much needed within the industry. Thanks, yeah. Jason. Yeah, today especially. So, Jonathan, is there <laughs> anything you'd like to say to our listening audience before we close? Well, check us out. Uh, you can see a live demo of us stopping ransomware attacks on our, uh, on our uh, website. And also we'll be at Hims this week in Chicago, as well as HPE Discover in June. So come check out our booth if you're going to be there. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Well, this has been great. Jonathan, thanks again for being on our show today. And thanks again to Rack Top Systems for sponsoring uh, this podcast series, actually. Thank you. And that's it for now. Bye, Jonathan. And bye, Jason. Bye, Ray. Have a good one. Until next time. Next time, we will talk to the system storage technology person. Any questions you want us to ask, please let us know. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends about it. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as this will help get the word out. 